You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everyone. How are you today? It is so good to be recording a solo show for all of you. And wow, I am coming at you feeling so good this morning. Today was one of those mornings where I got out of bed quickly. I put the tunes on right away. I actually got out of the house and I went to a local coffee shop and decided to switch things up. I actually got a dirty chai latte instead of my typical coffee. And I got a croissant. And as many of you know, croissants are some of my most favorite simple pleasures in life. It always puts a smile on my face when I could have a crispy, doughy croissant pretty much at any time of the day. I just love croissants. But anyway, bottom line is I'm feeling good. I'm excited to be chatting with all of you today. And while I was driving home from the coffee shop, I felt this overwhelming sense of awe with the way my life is right now. And as many of you know, I moved back home over the summer. And for me, I grew up in Connecticut. So home is Connecticut. It always has been. For those international folks listening, Connecticut is a very tiny state between New York and Massachusetts that's often forgotten. And it's also one of those states that everybody likes to complain about. And that really rubs me the wrong way. But I know how it feels because when I was in high school and college, I certainly did complain about living in Connecticut too. And I wanted to get out of the state as soon as possible. And I ended up leaving for several years. I lived in New York City. I lived in Boston. And then I moved out to Denver for almost four years. And So did all of my closest friends, and these are people I grew up with. We all just scattered to all different parts of the globe. But the funny thing is, now that we are all adults, many of us are all trickling back to Connecticut because we're realizing the value of being close to family and friends. And for the past few weekends, My boyfriend and I, you guys know Dan, have gotten together with my friends who recently had babies. I think I also explained a few months back there was like a baby boom with all of my friends. And I have to tell you, it has been extremely surreal. I love seeing my best friends become parents. And I love that I've been able to build little bonds with their kids already their little laughs, their smiles, they just light up my heart. And it's taking my friendship with these women and their significant others 
to an even more family-like level. I've always considered my home friends my family, but now it feels like we are all just so close and I feel surrounded by love. So moving home has made me realize even more that community is truly something that lights me up. And it's not necessarily the place that you live, but the people you surround yourself with that truly make a place home. So I am just loving being near my people again. I love knowing that I can keep building out this community in person, not just online with all of you. So I am just feeling so lucky and grateful these days. And I hope all of you are feeling just as good as I am. Of course, I don't have every day be amazing, but right now in this phase of my life, I'm just feeling so happy. So anyway, that's my little tidbit into how I'm doing. I know you all like to hear that during my solo shows, but besides that, I have huge news. Today is the day I'm recording the 100th episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast. Can you believe it? 100 episodes. This is a major milestone for me because I used to be someone who would passionately attack an idea and then abandon it almost immediately or abandon it when things got hard. So 100 episodes is something I'm really proud of. And to be honest, I do not see an end to this podcast. I want to be one of those people who has hundreds of podcast episodes. I would be a podcaster till the day I die. I love it so much. So anyway, congratulations to me and everyone listening. Happy 100th episode. Woohoo! Okay. Now that I've celebrated myself, and also congrats to Bob, who's been with me for so many episodes now, maybe like 60 of them, 70 of them, it's just been a wild ride. Okay, because this is quite a milestone for me, I wanted to take this episode as an opportunity to share with you the five gifts that my recovery gave me. And these are gifts that go deeper than food freedom and body acceptance. These are those spiritual gifts that I've been able to keep with me throughout my life. So I want to remind you that, yes, you are recovering to reach food freedom, and you are recovering to reach a level of body acceptance and inner peace. Those are all extremely important gifts that are your purpose for recovering, right? But as you go beyond this process, you will start to discover that there's so much more to gain from the recovery process. And these are the five nuggets of wisdom that I'm not sure I would have today if I hadn't gone through what all of you are going through right now. So I want you all to look forward to the expected outcomes of recovery, like food freedom, and also the unexpected outcomes. I am still uncovering pieces of me and parts of myself and little nuggets of wisdom from the recovery process just by reflecting on it. It's just the gift that seriously keeps on giving in life. So I hope this episode shows you what you can hope for 
as you move forward in your own journey. So without further ado, let's just dive right into it. The first gift that recovery gave me was a deep sense of self-trust. Now, we all know that recovering from an eating disorder is one of the hardest things you can do, and it takes a lot of courage every day to make consistent action and challenge the voice inside of you, the eating disorder voice that tells you to restrict food or use a behavior. Once I started to get a handle on my recovery and could see and feel the light at the end of the tunnel, so I was in a strong place, I suddenly had this tangible proof or evidence that I could do hard things. As many of you know, recovery is this stressful balancing of two inner voices. There's that eating disorder voice that's full of fear And then this healthy voice that's full of love and strength. And I, throughout my eating disorder, I could hear that little healthy voice saying to me, something's not right here. This is not okay. You are not okay. This is a problem. But even though I could hear that voice, it didn't change the fact that it was really hard to take action and listen to that voice and align with that voice. So once I got far in my recovery, I had proof that listening to that healthy voice and my intuition was the right thing to do. And good things come when you honor your healthy self. And you all soon might experience moments in your life where you're faced with something really difficult and you can say to yourself, I can do this because I recovered from an eating disorder and I can do anything. And that's something I started telling myself at a very young age after I had been through my recovery. And I have to say, years later, almost a decade later, I found myself in a really unhealthy relationship and I had two parts of myself competing. And I could hear that intuitive voice telling me that something wasn't right and I deserved more. However, I was really invested in that relationship. And I kept confusing myself into staying in that unhappy place where I was suffering much longer than I needed to. And I remember being in that place. I would look back at the part of me that battled my eating disorder almost 10 years prior with amazement and even envy. I wasn't sure if I had that same strength anymore. I knew I had it in me to do the right thing for myself. And I remembered what it felt like to trust my intuition. But there were moments where I wasn't sure if I could tap into that again. And I'm telling you, even over 10 years later, I was looking back at that part of me that recovered with so much reverence and respect and admiration. And finally, it took me years to leave that relationship. I ended up leaving, but what got me out of it was that proof that recovery gave me. And the proof was that listening to your gut and voting on yourself and reaching for healing without knowing what the future holds has rewarded me in the past, right? 
So if I had done it before, I could do it again. So remember that you are strong. You are resilient. You have evidence that you can do something really hard. And when you recover, you have that evidence which builds up self-trust. And with self-trust, you can let go of the things that are no longer serving you without knowing for certain what the future holds. And I was able to take that self-trust and transform my life again. So self-trust is a massive gift that your recovery will give you. And I am so excited for all of you to experience it. All right, I'm feeling passionate, guys. Number two. So number two, the second lesson I learned from recovery is that your body is a force of nature. So I learned that my body is a force of nature. Everybody's body (laughs) is a force of nature. So when you have an eating disorder, it's very clear that you seriously want to control everything. So for me, that looked like controlling the numbers. I tried way too hard to control the calories I was eating with all the calorie counting and my weight. Those were the two things I really focused on. And it's funny because going through that, I always found the entire thing confusing. Even on my most, quote, controlled days where I would expect the number on the scale to go down, I would sometimes gain weight in those moments. And I realized it wasn't super predictable. Like the dieting formulas that magazines preach, like calories in and calories out, are not like this simple code. There are so many different elements that are at play that impact your body. So I was starting to notice that my body had a mind of its own, even in like the darkest depths of my eating disorder. So while all of this was happening, I had the wisdom inside of me that I was doing, that what I was doing, which was restriction, was super unsustainable in the long term. I just had this intuitive feeling that I'm not going to be able to make this last forever. Something is working against me. I was white knuckling it, hoping I could make it last so I could get this modeling career. And I had the discipline to control everything as long as I possibly could. But I could feel that I was up against something greater. And that was my body's desire to survive, thrive, and restore its set point weight. And I did not have the language for set point weight theory at this moment, but I felt like biologically my body hated being like undernourished. I could just tell. So I have said this before. I'll say it a million times. Your body doesn't care about your skinny dreams. And when I was living with an eating disorder, I could seriously feel that. My body didn't care what size I was. It wanted to exist in the range that it felt most optimal in, right? It felt highest functioning in. So at one point, even before I decided to start recovery, I started losing my sense of control and willpower over my body because I started to binge. I could feel my body was rebelling. I could tell my body wanted to have a larger existence. My body wanted to gain weight no matter what the cost. And I know 
that my body was fighting to get back to its set point. Anyway, things felt super chaotic, but the experience showed me the value in surrender, honestly. The control you feel like you have during an eating disorder is not true control. Because if it were control, you'd be able to have a cheeseburger without feeling fear. If it were true control, you wouldn't get so emotional or upset around food. If I handed you a cookie, you'd be able to eat it. You'd be able to have chips inside your home without fearing that you wouldn't stop eating them. So if you think you have control now, there's a huge part of me that's going to say you are not in control. In fact, when you have an eating disorder, food has all the control and you are suffering. So with this force of nature concept, you'll finally start to relax around food when your body feels nourished and well-fed. And your body needs to recognize that food is readily available. You're not actually going through a famine. And food is not scarce like it thought it was when you were dieting. So I continue to remember this fact as I get older. My body is designed to ebb and flow with the changes of life. It is unnatural for me to expect my body in its 30s to be the same size as the body I had in high school. It's unnatural for me to control everything about my body. And sometimes body changes are unpredictable. Weight gain or weight loss can come and go from life from different aspects such as life transitions, illness, medications, lifestyle changes, hello, pandemic, stress, hormones, aging, moving. And I'm telling you, it's better to live in partnership with your body as all of these things happen than to constantly resist and fight it against its natural state. So try to build an alliance with your body and accept that as you go through life, it's going to change. And Those changes, I actually heard a quote that's interesting. It said, like, those changes, your body changes are unremarkable. It doesn't have to be this big earth-shattering thing if you gain weight. And it doesn't have to be the accomplishment of a lifetime if you lose weight. Your body is going to do its thing. And I want all of you to remember that. The third lesson or gift, I guess, that I got from recovery is more self-compassion for myself and more self-compassion and understanding for other people. I remember going through recovery and feeling that I had this sudden ability to sit alongside anyone and connect with them on a deeper level than I did before my eating disorder. Before, I was so judgmental of myself which resulted in me being judgmental of others. I judged people for their food choices, their clothes, their lifestyle choices. And after going through the pain of eating disorder recovery, which is a legitimate mental illness, I stopped judging myself so harshly. I saw my own humanness. And I recognized that self-compassion makes my life easier. It helps me get through life with significantly less pain. So 
once I stopped judging myself, it's like my judgment of other people disappeared. My judgment altogether just left the building. I recognized that a person's hardships, their struggles, and choices make them who they are, and we cannot expect perfection out of ourselves or other people. We should hold people to the standard of respect and kindness, but perfection is ridiculous. A person's mistakes, their failures, their struggles makes them human and way more fascinating because they've learned about themselves on a deeper level and maybe they've gained some wisdom along the way. If you are judging yourself, you are most likely judging other people around you, whether you want to admit it or not. And I hear it all the time, oh, I'm so hard on myself, but I'm not hard on other people. Mm, I get it, but I also feel like I don't. (laughs) So anyway, if you are judging yourself, you're most likely judging other people around you, whether you want to admit it or not. Recovery taught me to lighten up on myself, take a chill pill when it comes to the standards I hold for myself and others. And I also recognize that compassion does not mean you are babying yourself, and it doesn't mean you're babying someone else. It just means you have your own back and being kind to yourself helps you move forward. Self-compassion really gets you out of your own way and compassion for others helps build a bridge. So take that with you and just know when you go through this hardship, you will build resilience and you will have a deeper ability to understand someone who is out of alignment with their life, who has gone astray on maybe the path that they always wanted, right? So there is this level of understanding that we all make mistakes, that we all mess up, and it is completely okay, and it is normal, and it's actually celebrated if you can see it in a positive way. All right, the fourth gift that recovery gave me was flexibility. And this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say your ability to thrive in life truly depends on your ability to roll with the punches. Life is unpredictable. And as a human, you are not a machine. You are not meant to eat the same thing every day or have the perfect schedule or be perfectly disciplined. You're not supposed to know the exact outcome of everything and control your environment to the T. Flexibility brings freedom. Recovery is messy and it is an imperfect process. There are so many elements in life and recovery that you cannot control. Also, side note, no food experience is contained in a perfectly controlled environment. So if you are eating, hoping to achieve that control every time, you're not going to get it. The more you can be flexible with when you eat, where you eat, with whom, the type of food, the quantity, the closer to freedom you can be and the easier the eating experience is. At the end of the day, you your eating disorder, has made up all of the rules that are putting pressure on your life. Recovery is truly the golden opportunity to break those rules 
and live a bit more flexibly. It's an opportunity to practice and make adjustments in a flexible way. It's a process that keeps you on your toes for sure, but you will need to be constantly making adjustments, trying new things, breaking rules, and being okay with that in order to reach recovery. I want to say that your need for control and your need for rigidity served you in some way in the past, and perhaps it's still serving you. I think you can keep your structure in life in other ways, but with food, flexibility needs to be there, or at least an element of it. So try to work on healing that and recognize that when you are flexible, your life just gets easier. Okay. The fifth and final gift that recovery gave me, it's more like a lesson, is that there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. This was probably the greatest lesson I learned in recovery overall. So for instance, I used to have bulimia. So when I wanted to recover, purging was a huge problem that I wanted to stop. And when I was trying to stop that behavior, but couldn't, I had the opportunity to take in all of that information as feedback to do better the next time I tried to stop myself. So for instance, I could reflect on my triggers, my feelings, my thoughts, the environment, and ask myself, what could I change and do differently to stop this from happening? I want you to think of recovery as a constant feedback process. For instance, if you try to set a food challenge for yourself, but for some reason you cannot complete it. This is really not a reason to beat yourself up or get yourself down or tell yourself that you'll never reach recovery. You can break it down moment to moment to find the feedback and increase your chances of success next time you make the attempt. I help my clients through this process every week, and I like to see their little recovery attempts aka what we might define as failures, as not really failures, but just a chance to dive deep and get investigative. (laughs) So while digging deep for feedback, it's important that you just remain non-judgmental on yourself if you can, and try to have patience for yourself during this chaotic and scary process. The coach who trained me, Carolyn Cawson, I guess she's not technically a coach, she's a clinician, but Things get worse before they get better. And then I just want to add to that. And then they get worse and then they get better. And eventually things get better and stay better. It is a continuous feedback process. And now I view life that way. I saw dating in that way. I saw friendships. I see entrepreneurship in this light, which is When you put yourself out there and make an attempt to do something, to take action on your life, if it doesn't go well, you can use your compassion, right? Your self-compassion and say, it's okay. And then you ask yourself, what can I do next time so that this can improve or I can get better results? And that is exciting to me because I've started to view, quote, failure as essential to improvement. And it's not really failure. It's just attempts that could have gone better. Anyway, so that is my fifth and final gift that recovery gave me, which is, again, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. Now, 
There you have it. Those are the five gifts that my recovery gave me. And I truly hope that you can experience all of these or some of these as well. And if you listen to this, please tell me, what do you hope to experience when you recover? What are some of the lessons you are currently learning? And at the end of recovery, I just want to say, I emerged out of it. So at the other end of all of it, feeling like a wise old woman, not because of the food freedom or the body acceptance, but because of everything else that it gave me. So recovery left me feeling empowered with gifts and knowledge that I could tell many of my friends and peers had yet to uncover at such a young age. And even though recovery is hard, I just want to remind you that you will gain so much from this experience and that recovery is worth it. If you are still in that state where you're like, I hate food, I'm afraid of food freedom, maybe the tools and the potential to become a better person and a more evolved version of yourself will motivate you out of this place. So I'm excited for you to gain knowledge that you will keep with you for a lifetime. And with that, I just want to say thank you for listening to this week's solo show. It's been a true pleasure. And again, I am so happy and grateful that all of you have been listening for a hundred episodes at this point. It is truly an honor to have you all here listening to me and everything I have to share. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And please make sure you get in touch if you want to. You can go to meg-mccabe.com or you can check out everything I'm doing on Instagram, which is at meg underscore McCabe. All right, that's it. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day.